I'm really excited about all the automation that's happening and the openness, increased openness of, uh, you know, the legal community to adopt legal tech. I think that's amazing. There has been uh, close to $3 billion of uh, investments that went into legal tech. That's really, it's just awesome. And I think the piece that's really been missing is that, you know, integrating financial services into the legal system, because now it's largely siloed. And, and that's what excites me about the opportunity with NOTA and continuing to work with the legal community to actually bridge the gap between the digital solutions and the solutions in the legal market with financial services. And we hope that NOTA becomes that bridge. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Answering Legal's Everything Except the Law podcast. As always, I am your host, Nick Worker. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the podcast where we share expert advice on all the parts of running a law firm that attorneys weren't exactly trained for back in law school. Now, legal tech is a subject we love talking about on this podcast, and our guest today knows quite a lot about the software world. He has two decades of experience in product management, helping build new software for banks. In 2019, he transitioned into the legal world and became the president of Noda, which is a cloud-based platform that provides banking solutions for attorneys managing solo and small law firms. We are very excited to break down legal tech with him today. Paul Garibian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nick. Great to be here. Yeah. Uh, so can you tell the audience uh, a little bit more about yourself and, and what it is that you're, you're currently working on? Yeah, I would love to. So my background is, like you said uh, in the intro, uh, I've spent you know, most of my career uh, working on fintech products, uh, predominantly around payments, capital markets, and largely consumers of those products were um, uh, small and large banks, You know, actually banks of all sizes globally. Uh, and so you know, having done that for, for um, many years, um, one, when Noda Opportunity came about, which was one of our uh, former customers, which was uh, M&T Bank. Uh, I really loved the opportunity of working directly with uh, uh, consumers of the product, which are the solo and small attorneys, and really co-creating uh, the product with them or uh, the platform with them. Um, and so um, when we originally started, we were largely focused on uh, trust account reconciliation, particularly for smaller firms. Um, you know, th there isn't a large back office. There isn't, you know, the... Uh, owner of the law firm usually handles the trust account reconciliation themselves. And so we jumped at the opportunity to solve that problem for them. And as we continue to work on the solution for the trust account reconciliation, the IOLTA bank account, we've discovered that there are larger opportunities to co-create additional products. And as a result, turn Nota into a platform, a banking platform. And so now I'm delighted to, to share that, you know, not only we offer the IOTA account, but we just went into market with the business checking account, uh, which has similar functionality to IOTA, exclusively built for solo and small law firms. And uh, uh, within the next three weeks, we're going to re uh, uh, release our consumer checking uh, account, which again is built for this particular demographic. Uh, with specific features uh, most relevant to uh, solo and small uh, attorney firms. Well, that's awesome. I'm, I'm excited because I love, I'm a true, uh, like I studied economics in college. I'm a true uh, like believer in, in 
there being competition in a market will bring out the best in, in both competitors, right? Like you got Windows and Apple and they're trying to constantly one-up each other and it makes for better products for consumers. Um, so, and, and there's really not a lot of options out there for like what I would call like catered banking solutions for, for small law firms that don't really have the time to take care of all of this stuff without, you know, bringing on somebody to, to really take care of that. But I did want to ambush you with this. I am, I am a longtime M&T bank, uh, customer, I guess you would call it. Wow. Uh, I went to, uh, yeah, I went to, to Binghamton university. So I looked this up beforehand. I'm like doing my research on Noda. Right. And I see it's with M&T bank. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to tell them on the podcast that I went to Binghamton and they don't really give you a choice at Binghamton. If you want to like, if you want to take money out of an ATM, there's only M&T bank ATMs all over campus. So I got hooked up there. And then I, I bought my, I bought my first house a couple of years ago and I bought it through like a, a mortgage company or whatever. And I thought I got away from M&T bank, you know, uh, with the, with the ATMs everywhere. I obviously I was still a customer and Lo and behold, who buys my mortgage and who do I pay my mortgage to every month is M&T Bank. So nice, nice, nice. Everybody thinks this might be a plug, but I'm actually a customer. Uh, so Fantastic. thanks Fantastic. for charging me all that money for my house. I appreciate it. <laughs> so hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, listen, I got a place to live, so I can't complain too much. Um, so last year was a was a big catch up year for the legal community. And, and we saw we saw a significant rise in legal tech adoption um, for very obvious reasons. So, so based on what you've seen, has the trend of lawyers being more open towards adopting new technology uh, continued in 2021? Absolutely. I, I mean, listen, uh, there, there's something I didn't get a chance to say earlier. Um, so our view of the world is that it's all about affinity banking. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a fancy way of saying, listen, um, banking largely has been commoditized, right? So the same product that's consumed by anyone is kind of the same product. Deposit products haven't changed in, in a very long time. Uh, you know, there is, you know, some changes that are happening, but we're starting to see, uh, and this is a segue to your question, uh, a lot of automation and digitization is taking place across the industry. And while attorneys traditionally haven't been the first ones to jump in and adapt, well, let's just say majority of the attorneys adapt the latest and greatest tech because it's, uh, you know, a regulated industry similar to banking, you know, banks as well, right? You know, we've seen social and mobile apps to, you know, uh, really get adapted by a lot, a lot of other segments before legal and, and, and financial services. So, so what's interesting is that even though I'm new to the legal industry, but I certainly understand uh, you know, and uh, familiar with 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 the highly regulated financial services sector, right? So a lot of similarities. So what what COVID has done, honestly, it accelerated things for both legal and financial services. You know, there are plenty of uh, you know notary users or just you know members of the legal community that we speak to that have never done video conferencing before, oh. right? Uh, for some of us, you know, we've been using that before, you know, um, the nature of the business that I've been in, it's distributed team. I mean, we've got development teams in Eastern Europe, in India, in, you know, other places in the world. So having those conferences, is like, you know, uh, a second nature to, to people in the software industry, right? And many others, I'm sure. 
But now what's this done is that a lot of people are saying, hey, listen, like, yeah, we can meet in person, but it's just so much quicker if we just do a quick 15, 20 minute call. So to answer your question, they're adapting uh, a lot of you know, PMS systems, payment processing systems, online accounting systems, right? And then they say, listen, not, none of those things talk to my bank. And so one of the things that we started doing, we started doing native integrations into the legal uh, tech uh, ecosystem. We were the first, uh, we are the first bank and the only bank to my knowledge that integrated with Clio. And, uh, um, you know, we're starting to integrate with other PMS uh, 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 provide, leading PMS providers. But that's an example of saying, listen, the, the industry is getting digitized, but you need to have cohesiveness across all the services that you consume as a business, uh, as, a, uh, as an attorney. It's, it's so, because it's almost kind of counterintuitive when you take on all these, these, um, I'll call them platforms, right? Like you take on Clio as a law firm and then you want to, I don't know, you take on like a legal intake software and then you take on a, like a lead management system and a, and a marketing service and, and all of these things you take on. And if none of them are talking to each other, it just wastes more of your time trying to like get this siloed information to somewhere else. So I do like your point that you know, it's, it's important now, especially to have these things kind of communicate with each other. And, and that's awesome. Kudos to uh, getting integrated with Clio. They, they are doing things over at Clio that just continue to blow my mind. So what I, I want to know what you think, right? Um, are there any interesting trends that have stood out to you so far this year when it comes to like other technology and, and softwares for the legal community? I think a lot of things that are happening in a, in a legal industry are long overdue, you know, and to be honest, when I, when I first got involved, you know, two years ago, uh, I was uh, surprised that such a highly educated, highly knowledgeable, uh, you know, uh, community of professionals is, uh, you know, for the most part, resistant to adapt certain, uh, uh, you know, processes and certain technologies that already exist. I think, um, you know, and be, but a lot of it has to do that some of those haven't been done right, right, or or done simple enough, or you know, to reduce the uh, 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 the frictions to adapt, right. So as going back to what we talked about around integrations with practice management software providers, accounting software. So we integrate currently with QuickBooks, LowPay, mm -hmm. and um, uh, QuickBooks Online, right. So uh, Clio, uh, LowPay, and QuickBooks Online. And we believe that in addition with your bank, now you have that, you know, if you were to start a, a law firm, right? So if you were to come to me and, or a family member would come to me and say, hey, I'm starting a law firm, what would I need? I would say, you need uh, a cloud-based PMS system. And, you know, Clio, while it's one of the best out there, but there are other options, you know, I would say Practice Panther and several others. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there is accounting software, you know, you got QuickBooks Online, but there are a few other options to consider. Uh, there is low pay, um, you know, and of course you have other payment processors as well that can handle some of this stuff. So ultimately that's all what you need. The problem is there are no native integrations with your bank account. So when you log in, you don't have that cohesiveness of saying, okay, like my, uh, everything is reconciled. I have the ability to in a very simple way without getting a CPA um, uh, the license uh, to be able to use uh, QuickBooks, because one of the feedbacks we get is that no, it's very simple. 
I can do my expense management. I can do my trust account reconciliation. I can track money movement and profitability between accounts, right? So it's like, you know, and this is where the banking, by the way, is going to, right? You know, you've got uh, people that are building solutions for influencers or freelancers or, you know, creators, et cetera. And, and all of that, like there are some specific workflows and the way you run your business that are very unique to what you do. And, and it's not the same for plumbers as it is for lawyers, right? So kind of answered my next question. I was going to ask you what recommendations you have for the smaller firms out there that, that don't really have or aren't looking really to like grow their firm to the point of having this huge staff to lean on as support, right? So, I mean, those are, those are kind of the answers to that, right? Is, is let's get you so hooked up with, with programs that can really talk to each other that allow you to do the jobs that you need to have done without necessarily driving yourself crazy, growing this crazy big, you know, some people are just really not that ambitious and that's okay. They want to, they want to have their own practice, you know, make their own hours and, and not have to have a boss or anything. I totally get it. We will be right back with the show after this short message. My name is Brian Perskin. I'm the managing partner of Brian D. Perskin Associates PC. I started out with answering legal and now my practice has grown tenfold. The biggest benefit to answering legal is my phones are answered 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because the lifeblood of any law firm are new clients. Answering legal is an extension of my firm. I feel that every receptionist at Answering Legal works for me. It allows lawyers and paralegals to actually work without answering the phone. Anytime I leave this office, I know my business is still running. I would recommend it to any lawyer that wants to make their lives easier. You need Answering Legal. So there's so many technology solutions that are available. They can make choosing this like new tech for your firm an overwhelming process, right? There's so many options now, not really in banking as I've established, but, but in other, in other, like the practice management, the intake, the, what the payment system, whatever have you, what can lawyers do to make that process simpler? And what are your recommendations as far as, as choosing these solutions? I would say you have to evaluate those things on, on two, maybe three dimensions, but I would say at the, the, the high level on two dimensions. One is uh, pro products and features that are most important for your logo. And, and so I would say you evaluate the product and the service, right? And, and I think both are very important, right? So from a product perspective, look at not only the features that, that PMS provider or payment provider or you know whatever platform you're trying to evaluate, um, you know, but also evaluate their product roadmap, right? What is their development capacity? You know, one of the things that probably most people don't ask is that, hey, how many developers are in your firm? So if there is a firm that has 200 and there is another firm that has 10, uh, I, I assure you that, you know, in the long term, you're better off going with a platform that has more developers because they're going to build more relevant stuff, right? Uh, and so then you also need to talk about, you know, integrations, you know, who do they, who do they integrate with? What does that look like? How is it seamless? Is it a sing, single sign on, you know, is there, 
except so so really those are all product type of questions but honestly you don't have to be super techie to to be able to say listen how large is your development team right who else do you integrate with because like you know if you've got other platforms that you integrate with our apps that enrich the experience then you know you're probably better off because you know your needs will evolve and it's very difficult to re-platform you know switch to another platform so think ahead, right? So if you're starting a new practice and, and we speak with a lot of attorneys that they do, right? So one of the things that we try to do is not only talk to them about our product capabilities, but also talk to them about our roadmap and what's coming. Mm-hmm. And the difference between, you know, speaking with specialists versus generalists, and I think that's the whole theme of, you know, our discussion is, uh, is actually, you know, specialists understand your business. So we know that one of the first products you need as when you start, uh, you know, your practice is a business credit card. And, uh, you know, and, and so when you speak with someone that says, listen, you know, you need an IOTA, you need a business checking account, you need a consumer checking so you can pay yourself. If you don't, you know, have one, it probably makes sense to have it on one roof. So it's all fully integrated. And for sure, you need to have a business credit card that also accounts for all your expenses, right? That's an example of that. And then after that, you can kind of, you know, say, hey, I need the following products. Here's what makes sense. Here's what makes sense for you as an attorney, given the practice size that you have. And and so, you know, to me, selecting a a technology provider is no different. You know, try to understand the roadmap, try to understand their capabilities and and their focus. And and, uh, that's how you make your decision. Because once you got on on the platform, it's going to be, it's just painful to switch two, three years from now. I love that advice and it and it speaks to me in that like I have certain what I'll call like hurdles that I have to jump through, right? So you have to go with the best fit for you. So if you're if you're a guy who doesn't want to sign year-long contracts, and I'm speaking from personal experience here, as a general policy, we don't sign year-long contracts here unless it's like a special some kind of case. Uh so when I'm working with a provider or, or working to hire, you know, some sort of platform, I have to say, hey, this is a real deal breaker for me. But do you guys do year long contracts or, or is there a month to month agreement or a shorter agreement that I can get into? Because I don't really want to waste anybody's time. So you need to know what you're looking for. If you're if you're looking to try something month to month and they're trying to lock you into a one year contract, well, maybe you should try and look somewhere else. Just my example in my in my two cents. So. Yo, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say that, listen, a lot of people, uh, you know, I, I come from the software industry, right? So it's, it, it sounds, it sounds better than it actually is when, when you say, Hey, listen, uh, it's month to month. I'm going to cancel anytime. Well, the reality is you can't cancel anytime because you become reliant on a system and really to switch from one platform to another, even if you have like you know, instead, I would negotiate a better discount for one year service and, and take those savings. That's what I would do. And do the due diligence up front because, like, honestly, switching from one platform to another, whatever that is, is going to be very disruptive and uh, to your business and your practice. And so my recommendation would be, it's like, you know, select a list of questions uh, to ask that provider. And there is, you know, even though there is close to 150 PMS providers, to my knowledge, for example, there is probably, you know, uh, some that are specific to your uh, practice area, right? Some specialize on a practice area and, um, and, and basically make the decision based on that criteria, as well as their ability to continue to innovate 
and there's going to be plenty of innovation happening in the legal, uh, uh, legal tech space. And so their ability uh, to do that, I think, becomes very important. Uh, and so I would, I would evaluate that. But if there are some hiccups, I would try to work through them because like switching from one to another, like it's just, it's disruptive. I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, uh, you've given me a lot to think about. I'm going to have to internalize that a little. Um, in the meantime, uh, I do want to talk more about Noda. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit more about Noda and some of the features that allow it to stand out from other banking solutions, specifically, obviously, for attorneys? I mean, before I get into the product, it starts with the service. You know, you can have the best product out there. I believe that. But if you don't have the best service, hmm. you're going to diminish the value for, for your customers. So uh, before we get into the roadmap, I mean, one thing that I'm most proud of is that, you know, we've been able to uh, recruit and retain uh, experienced bankers that are now specialists when it comes to legal, right? Generally, if you walk into any bank, any size, whether that's your local credit union or any of the large national banks, you're going to talk to the same banker that talks to, um, you know, services and ice cream business or, you know, a plumbing business, a large manufacturing business. For the most part, it's the same people. And there are some intricacies with legal, uh, as we will talk about. And so the advantage with speaking with our team and getting that concierge service, uh, which comes with every single Nota account, is that you get a dedicated banker no matter what size you're in, right? A lot of banks will not give you a dedicated mm -hmm. concierge service unless you're doing $2 million in revenue. Uh, that is uh, you know, zero with Nota. And we also have the most transparent, the most simple fees in a business. Uh, uh, all of our products are free. And uh, the reason uh, they are, you know, I'm not allowed to say free because for regulatory purposes, they're not, they're at no extra charge, right? Mm -hmm. So in other words, like what, what your, you know, the banking business model for those of you that are not familiar, you know, largely has to do with deposits, lending and payment processing, mm -hmm. right? So you, you store the deposits, there is net interest income that comes from it. And so attorney clients are very, so we want to bank with them and we believe that you know we can bank them better than anyone else because that's our sole focus one amazing thing about mt uh, as a bank is that mt has been continues to be a bank for communities right it's a community bank and the legal industry we view uh, the legal industry as one of those communities we decided decided to uh, double down on and, and invest in right and so that enables us, that focus enables us to build a roadmap that is very personalized and specific for attorneys. Like we've talked about at the beginning of the podcast, uh, we found that solo and small firms, which, uh, you know, in our estimation, there are about 750,000 attorneys nationwide. Um, and, you know, out of that 750, half a million of them are solos, right? Just to give everyone a sense of the fragmentation in the market, uh, you know, it's, it's like you said, people that want to have a good lifestyle, have a living, you know, they don't want to kill themselves and, and, and make a billion dollar business, which is nothing wrong with that. 90% of us, 95% of us would, would be thrilled to have that kind of a lifestyle and, 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 and that lifestyle design. But the challenge is given the complexity and the high stakes with IOTA, you can get this barred if you don't properly manage your client's funds. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunate thing is there is a lot of ambiguity around, hey, do I need an IOTA? You know, do I need to, you know, what if I structure it this way? The bottom line is risks are too high, right? Mm -hmm. That lifestyle we talk about, right? Like that 90% of us strive to have, 
you can put that at risk. And there's plenty of examples that if you don't manage the funds properly, uh, you know, you're going to get end up getting this board. Problem is majority of the solutions out there are not fully integrated and are not simple to use, right? So you've got two categories and, and I don't want to, you know, uh, kind of say anything overly negative about all the solutions out there, but, but largely that's the white space that we found ourselves. So that's where we saw the opportunity, right? On one hand, you have providers that are kind of trying to do it on the side. It's not fully integrated with your bank account. And on the other hand, you have another, other solutions out there that really try to help you with their trust account reconciliation, but it's like 50 times more complex than what you need as a attorney, mm-hmm. right? So that simplicity becomes easy. So if you're a CPA, you know, you're going to use a certain accounting software and, uh, you know, you'll be fine, right? But the problem is most attorneys are not CPAs and, and they don't want to be ones, right? Like it's just, you know, you don't go to law school to learn accounting, you just don't. Um, and so as a result, you know, we've created a, a very elegant, simple solution with trust account reconciliation that attorneys can manage that themselves. Larger law firms, and this is what we end up finding out, Nick, is that, you know, most attorneys, they work for medium to large law firms, and then they, you know, hang their shingle and start the practice. And they're like, holy moly, I didn't have to do it there because we had this big back office, you know, a team of accountants, et cetera. And now I got to do it. And it's like, oh, shoot, like the, the risks are too high. So I'm going to do it myself, right? So what ends up happening is that now you're spending several hours a week trying to do it yourself. You're not sure if you're doing it right. You're not fully reconciled. So that's what Noda tried to do from the beginning. We spent a year and a half uh, working very closely with the community of our attorneys. And we're very fortunate that the users at Noda are very engaged with us because they realize we're building a bank for attorneys together, right? So we have a very open communication. They have a lot of say about the features and new products that we roll out. And, uh, you know, if an issue comes up next week, that's sort of, you know, in most cases, it's already, in, you know, in production, right? And that's, that's very powerful. That goes back to the service. So we started with IOTA, trust account reconciliation. I talked enough, guys, it's a problem. Don't, don't let someone tell you that it's not. In most, a lot of times people don't realize they need to have an IOTA account. They're running a lot of those transactions through an operating account. That is a mistake, right? That's 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 you're sitting on a lot of risk, and uh, we uh, bankers know a thing or two about about risk, and you know you don't want to carry that risk going forward, right? And so uh, whether that's not or otherwise, like make sure you have an IOTA account, right? And then the second piece that now now we're kind of moving into is the money movement element across. We call it three money hops, right? You uh, recognize the funds from the IOTA account. You uh, move that to the operating. From operating, you pay yourself to your uh, business, uh, to your consumer checking account. So uh, having the ability to have that expense categorization, transaction categorization, have that clarity uh, and transparency uh, within your financial system, we believe is a core of our value proposition. I actually have known a few attorneys to get in trouble for exactly what you're talking about. And I think I always love, cause I've been in this game a long time now. Um, and I love watching the evolution of it. Like I, I joked with, uh, with, with uh, Jack from, from Cleo. Like I remember taking his phone call like six years ago and, and him being like, Hey, I'm doing this thing. You want to do this? You want to do that? And, uh, and we were really small too. So it was, it was, you know, we weren't able to do anything at the time because we, we didn't have the capital. We didn't have the employee, you know? And, uh, so I remember like, uh, I remember the early stages of law pay and this just seems like a cool evolution to me is like, 
not only is it a payment, you know, like law pay is the payment, right? You get, you get paid by law pay. Well, this is, this is, is helping attorneys really just set up all their banking, you know, instead of just worrying about how am I going to get a check, a, a credit card or this or that. I think we're kind of at that point where we know, or, or at least I really, really hope so. I think we're at the point where attorneys are like, I need to accept credit cards. I need payment plans, uh, checks. I, I don't even have a checkbook anymore, man. Uh, I wouldn't, uh, don't write me a check, please. I, I prefer cash or Bitcoin if you're into that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's, 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 it's always cool to see the next step in the evolution. So speaking of that, uh, I want to, I want to end our conversation today by, by looking at the evolution of what, of what you've got going on. I'm stuttering a lot. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just too excited. So can you tell us what, what, what concerns you most about the future of legal tech and what you're excited to see next? Uh, look, I'm really excited about all the automation that's happening and the openness, increased openness of, uh, you know, the legal community to adopt legal tech. I think that's amazing. There has been uh, close to $3 billion of uh, investments that went into legal tech. That's really, it's just awesome, right? It's personalizing the, uh, you know, the solutions out there. There's definitely a lot of options and, and, and those options will continue to grow because there's you know, more and more funding going into uh, all those solutions, right? And Clio is just one example. Mm -hmm. You know, there are many, many great other solutions out there that are taking place. So I'm really excited about how that's evolving. I'm excited about the openness of the legal system and how that's getting integrated. And I think the piece that's really been missing is that, you know, integrating financial services into the legal system, because now it's largely siloed. And, and that's what excites me about the opportunity with Noda and continuing to work with the legal community to actually bridge the gap between the digital solutions and the solutions in the legal market with financial services. And we hope that Noda becomes that bridge to offer best-in-class uh, financial products for the legal industry that are highly personalized uh, to the needs of uh, uh, attorneys uh, out there, law firms out there. That's awesome. Uh... So we're at the end. I'd like to thank you, Paul, for joining me on the show today. And thank you to all of our listeners. We hope, we hope you enjoyed this conversation and we'll be back with another episode of Everything Except the Law soon. Be sure to check out previous episodes of our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and the Answering Legal YouTube channel. See you next time, everyone.